Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Fan Show here with me, Johnny Burrow and Dave Seeger of Gunners Town. And we've got a special guest this evening, Dave. We do. Oh, my goodness oh, gracious. Yeah, speed that, back there. <laughs> yes, we've, uh, we've had to switch dates uh, because of obviously Arsenal's emphatic victory over Newcastle on Monday. We weren't able to do the show, so we switched to Wednesday and I was the only regular presenter able to come in. So we've invited uh, our friend Nick Callow from Hater Sport to join us. Massive gooner. Top Upgraded. <laughs> upgraded or upgraded either yeah. either will be uh, yeah. thank I'm you here. anyway good to be here gents good to see you lovely to have back you back in the Love Sport lovely Arsenal studio yes yeah. great to have you here and a great performance as you were saying Dave I was really good we were just talking as we were walking down the road that um, whilst it wasn't the best game we've had all season it was probably the most comfortable I've felt uh, we just never looked in any danger of doing anything other than winning that game we were no, just yeah. so comfortable so polished really yeah, and, and Dave's spot, it was sort of one of the most complete performances. I think Newcastle had one shot on target. And one of the constant anxieties of the sort of Unai Emery era has been, when are we going to concede a goal? When is Mustafi going to make a mistake? When he is, did make when, some. When, <laughs> yeah, but he's, in fairness to him, he played better than he has played in other games. But there was never a sort of a sense that Newcastle were going to win it. They had fantastic support there on Monday night. You've got, they sang, they outsang the Arsenal fans most of the time. I mean, as it's not... Totally unfamiliar at the ground, but um, Arsenal as a team never really looked in trouble. They were all working hard, closing down the midfield. I think Leno had one save or match. It was just a question of if or when, how many Arsenal were going to score. And let's bear in mind, there's probably, well, there's definitely four first choice, five first choice players who weren't in that team. You know, if you said Bellerin, Koscielny, Holding, Torreira and Shaka probably all would start. Mm. And Aubameyang could have started and yeah, chose so, to leave him out. Yeah, so. He was unwell, actually, Aubameyang. He wasn't up to... You know, Emery's yeah, his obs- hair had drooped just for the game. <laughs> he's obsessed that everyone's got to be 100% fit. High intensity. You know, he's always on about intensity, intensity. And he said Aubameyang had been sort of suffering a bit from a flu thing. I think he's thinking, well, I'll just bring him on for a little bit, see what we can do. And then he can go four guns blazing. On Sunday, Everton maybe because he changed the team every every game. Yeah. Well, also he did what he did what he talked about doing, didn't he? In the in the press conference, he talked about oh everyone, you know, I'm settled on this this new formation. And everyone's talking about it. He said, but we, you know, we're happy. My players are comfortable in any formation. Mm. I'm just as likely to start with, and then he did. Yeah. With, with the sort of three four two one, and then changed it back to the two um, yeah. with 25 minutes to go. I've, so. I've sat there in the press box many a time. The team sheets come out, and you think, oh, what's he doing here? He's, yeah. he's dropped him. And he's playing what's that? Three at the back, four back, one at the back. And he's obsessed with sort of proving that he can play with any players in any formation. And at the moment, he's being proved right. And that, of course, is the opposite of Arsene Wenger, really, where the main criticism that got levelled against him was that he would just kind of play the same system, fit the same players into it, regardless of opposition. Is it a welcome break for you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, at first it was a bit worrying, but it's beginning to become sort of a a welcome change because you can see that it's getting results and it's getting more out of players by changing the team and players not feeling they've got a divine right to to be starting in a match just because of the salary or the number on their shirt. You can see that some of them are working a bit harder. Mesut Ozil, for example, 
And also, what's lovely, like what's lovely is, uh, and I know, we, I know we've mentioned it on the show before, but I keep coming back to it, is, is the camaraderie between the players mm. when they're on the team, when they're coming off the bench, when they're coming off and replaced, you know, being replaced. You know, particularly Obama, Young and Lacazette, they don't seem to care whether they're starting. There's, there's such a good team spirit mm. at the moment. And there's such, you, know, you can see when players come off, they're you know, really encouraging the players are coming on and vice versa. That wasn't always the case no. towards the end. You know. And... Uh, you know that was a, you know that was a potentially difficult game because Newcastle, you know they needed they need a win to be safe and they they didn't sit back totally defend it wasn't I mean their lack of chances wasn't complete due to a lack of ambition no no no, no. I mean you know Arsenal just did did a number on them and Emery got the tactics right he got the team up for it you know they weren't thinking oh this is easy it's Newcastle they treated think, them like I, I think there's only one other top six side that's beaten them at home this season. You know, they, 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 they beat they, City. Yeah, they've been very, very, very... Well, Benitez generally is very, very good at organising a team you know, not to lose. Mm. And that's what they've succeeded in doing against a lot of the top sides. So, you know, a lot of people were a bit, were a bit nervous for the game. Never was nervous during the game. And mm. Arsenal going forward, Lacazette was absolutely fantastic. Not just in terms of that lovely lifted finish over Martin Dubravka, not just even in terms of the link-up play, but with that scrappiness. He was mm. dropping back into midfield. He was winning the ball, but then he wasn't doing that unbelievably frustrating Wayne Rooney thing of I'm not getting service, so I'm going to play holding midfield. He would win it, and then he'd get on his bike and try and get on the end of it in the box. And it was just, he's becoming so important, yeah. isn't he? I don't. I don't. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Lacazette. I mean, amongst the Arsenal fans, he, he does, does on this show. He does. Yeah, he does on this show. Uh, but I mean, in the broader media that I represent, really, not just Arsenal fans. You know, I'm working in the, in you know, haters. We you know we we supply content for all the national newspapers, broadcasters, and so on. And I have to take a balanced, neutral view from an Arsenal. It must be tinted. awful, Nick. How do you well, do that? I don't know. Somehow I get paid to watch Arsenal matches. Awful advertorial. Some, awful advertorial that was, not it? <laughs> somehow I, you know, I just managed to think when I'm sitting there getting paid to watch the Arsenal, I think I just somehow just grin and bear it. You know, that's yeah. how I just. Oh, I don't know. It's a no, tough but life. Lacazette. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, so Lacazette, yeah, what a player, what a signing. What a work rate. I mean, the work mm. rate is unbelievable. And I, I keep I keep, I'm coming back to it in my own mind, and I'm not comparing the ability necessarily, or, but the, the low centre of gravity, the quick turn and shot, the ability to play in any position, he is Sylvan Wiltold incarnate, isn't he? Mm. Really? Well, I he, think he's he a, is that low, he, he's so much similarities to that player. Yeah, but he's better than Wiltold, wouldn't yes. you say? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, but yeah, it's there that, are similarities. It's that, it's that low centre of gravity, that lovely turn and swivel, mm. in, in there, like, literally no back lift. I'm, I can see an opportunity, I'm going to shoot it. Now, Wiltold did that more than people remember. Mm. You know, he didn't need a second invite. But I'm just saying... He's better, Lacazette. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, and they're obviously very different strikers, but do you think that Lacazette's actually better than Aubameyang? Because Aubameyang was brought in in that January where Lacazette wasn't seeming to be quite the player that Arsenal had hoped. But this season, it feels like Lacazette might have ruled back. Yeah, I think uh, given, you know, it's very hard to say what is Emery's first eleven in his sort of, you know, if it was the Champions League final, what who would start up front? And you, but you would think you'd probably be saying Lacazette. for the Europa League final at this point. It'd be, it'd be Lacazette. I'm thinking next season. Uh, <laughs> Optimistic, we like it. It'll be Lacazette. It'll probably be Lacazette. Although, you know what? It'll probably be both of them together. Because when, when they do play together, as they finished uh, on, on Monday night against Newcastle, it's an awesome strike force. Too. And they do complement each other very well. And as Dave said, they are very, very good Well, we'll get well. onto it later. But I think... I think this first real summer transfer window will will give us a lot more of a steer as to how he wants to set up next season. You know, because if he if he starts with this sort of, I think I think we do seem to 
be starting with a back three most weeks mm-hmm. now, but it doesn't necessarily look the same in front of it. So whether it's a three four two one or whether it's a three four one two, that can change. Um, but then the indication is that he wants a wide player, so then he might go back to you know a wide, you know a traditional four two three one. I think until the summer when he's got what he's got, we know where we are, we know what money we've got to spend, then we'll start to know what he's going to do next season. Mm. But I think to start Lacazette and Aubameyang every week, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. I don't think they're ever going to be guaranteed that. Not every week, no. He will never start the same team ever, every week. I mean, <laughs> they used to have a go at uh, Claudio Ranieri for the Tinker Man. I've never known anyone change a team so much as uh, as Emery. Well, I talked, about, I talked about it on the, um, a couple of weeks ago on the uh, Sunday Fans Forum show we do, where how important in modern football rotation has become Mm. and when you look okay it's nice to be in Pep's position with the money he's got to have two squads that are as good as anyone else's and you can do it but if you look at for example Chelsea's last two championships they played pretty much the same players every week and they were very fortunate with injury the next season they fell apart and Liverpool early seasons under Klopp didn't have a big enough squad played the high pressing game didn't finish the season loads of injuries I think we're now starting to see the benefit uh, without realising we were going to see the benefit of Emery's rotation mm. because he has been not because of injury like Wenger did not because of fan pressure like other managers he's rotated on his own terms when he's wanted to whoever the player are and as you said earlier Nick who, whatever their wage mm. and that's I think we're seeing the benefit now because everyone's fit barring you know maybe two major players you've got Mkhitaryan and Wobi often coming off the bench three weeks ago four weeks ago they were the two informed players yeah and it, it possibly not helps as well start. there's there's I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but it seems there's far, far fewer internationals playing regularly at Arsenal. In that international break, I don't know how many players were away. Well, most of them were in Dubai with Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, there's not one single England international in that squad. Welbeck would be the only one possibly who would have been away with England. Maitland-Niles is going to be an England he didn't player. Even make the un- he didn't even make the under-21 no, so squad. I couldn't believe that. Nowhere close to it. So... Yeah, and Ramsey was Ramsey playing for? No, Ramsey was he, pulled he, out injured. Didn't yeah, pulled he? out injured, injured again. Thankfully so, for Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, but it, it helps, doesn't it, that the that players aren't playing international football? And his rotation policy, as Dave so wisely said, is proving. You know, they're coming now really, really strong at the end of the season with almost a fully fit squad. And if they're not the best players, they're fit and strong and hungry players. That makes a makes a huge difference. It was interesting on Monday night when Arsenal were playing I had Palace in here for a chat on the Palace fan show and they were saying why do Arsenal still play Ramsey he's leaving in the summer he's Mm. done why are you still bothering and I said well because he's a fantastic player and he can fit into the system it's not just the goals he scores although it was another very good one do these performances and I'm gonna ask it every time Ramsey scores a goal (laughs) do they just make you think why didn't you just pay the money well, I tell you, it makes me feel like an idiot because I was when, when he wasn't getting in the team, I was quite happy because I've always thought, despite his brilliant sort of crucial cup final goals and his you know ceaseless running and his effort and his and his teamwork, that he's always been a bit better in his head than he actually is on the pitch, Ramsey. And I one hundred percent. I wasn't sorry to see him go at all, but bizarrely, since he's done this deal with Juventus, he's suddenly become one of the best players in the club and. And I was lucky enough to see Arsene Wenger at the Loris Awards a couple of months ago, and he said it's going to be very, very hard to replace Ramsey, a player of that ability with those sort of unique skills and energy of getting from one box to the other, late run scoring goals. And he and he's right; it's going to cost fifty to a hundred million pounds. To well, get a yeah, how, can it be, how can it be fifty to hundred million pounds to replace a player that 
for most of the season hasn't even been in the first first eleven. Yeah, but I mean, just looking at the way he's playing now, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a great success at Juventus because that's a completely different sort of type of football, and he might be he doesn't do well over there either. But um, at the moment, I would say he will be a loss. To yeah, Arsenal. but in that formation where he's playing, you know, whatever he's doing, he's playing two wing backs and two in the middle. When in the last three years? How many times could you say, hand on heart, I've seen Aaron Ramsey show the discipline in a two that he's shown the last month? Oh, never. Never. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the difference. You know, you're mm. now looking at a player who seems to have finally learned what he needs to do in that position. <laughs> After rather, he's leaving. Rather than just do what he wants to do. Well, mm. if, if he's going to go and play for Allegri, he's going to have to be disciplined. Mm. And I'm still not convinced that he's going if to... He, if, if he lets it go to his head, his wages, and he thinks he's going to walk straight into that team and play week in, week out, I think he's got another mm. thing coming. I really don't see that happening. Well, I think maybe he's benefited as well from sort of Emery's sort of rotation systems. And you know, he wasn't a first-choice player, and he's had to sort of yeah. fight his way back in. He's brought him in for it. He brings him in, tends to bring him for important games, you know, like Tottenham yeah. matches and things like that. He will start with him. And like with Ozil, he suddenly will just bring him out, out of the, but out of the cold. But, and, but, you know, he's also averaged, you know... He's averaged between half and two thirds of our games in every season, really, because he's never fully fit. You know, he's at his best when he's fully fit, and he is awesome when he's fully fit. Mm. But how often in the last five years has he been fully fit for a sustained period of time? That's another question you've got to ask. It's a lot of money to spend on someone. And go back to your point: it wasn't about Arsenal not playing the wages. The contract was perfectly acceptable to him. I think it's just because his agent then went and offered the, went to every other club in the Premier League and mm. said, "Well, this is what Arsenal offered. Are you going to match it?" Whether that was with Ramsey's permission, I don't know. But that's certainly what I've heard. And Aaron Ramsey, I think, was pretty happy with the 190 grand a week on offer. Mm. Oh yeah, more yeah. And I think and uh, you know, Fengrid still be manager. He would have. It would have signed a contract, probably. Well, it was Wenger who told him not to sign. Well, initially, because obviously he was changing agent, and Wenger said, "Wait till you've completed the yeah. change of agency. You don't want to end up paying two agents fees here." But he would have been happier so, to keep him than Emery. I think is the point I'm making. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because he would have. Well, he just Wenger was ha- happier with him as a player. Does but, that... even, but even Wenger, you know, when he when he settled on this fantastic central partnership. By the way, what about Cazorla last night? Oh. Uh, <laughs> but when he had Cazorla and Coquelin, Ramsey was put out on the right. Mm. You know, so Wenger would always play Ramsey. He'd always want him in the eleven, but he didn't always get exactly what he wanted under no. Wenger. No, and he, I mean, he was one of the players. I mean, as I said, to answer your question again, Johnny, <laughs> not that sorry to see him go. Although in the last month, as Dave said, he has suddenly become the player that he sort of should have he been. He was brilliant. Been. He was brilliant on Monday. Night. Monday was yeah, one of the best players. What do you think is going on there, then, Nick, with that change? Is this a case, as you suggested, Dave, that he's looking at the system he's going into? And going, hang on a minute, I need to sort of actually be a bit stricter with myself if I'm going to impress my new boss. Or might there even be an element of him paying back the Arsenal fans and just sort of going, you know what, I'm off, but I'm really yeah. going to do the business until well, I go. I think there, there could be parts of that that could be affected. But also, but as you know, he's, he's getting older, much more mature, and he's just becoming a better player. You know, people do, footballers do get often get better, they get older. And he's coming into the years, maybe the best years of his career, but he's learnt not to sort of try 50-yard passes and he hasn't got all the skills and of the Cazorla or the flicks and tricks and that he just can't do. He hasn't got great control. He hasn't got great skills. But he can get on the end of a cross. He can stick his head in where it hurts and he can tackle and he can run and run and run. And occasionally, you know, give him four or five shots, he might score one of them. <laughs> Which is always <laughs> nice. Dave, you mentioned... Well, a bit anti-Ramsey in the army. Well, I am anyway, sorry. But no. I, no, I love... I mean, he will go down as an Arsenal legend, no doubt about it. I thought he would be captain in the start of the season. Mm. I mean, I, I wanted well, him He's one be, of the captains. I want, yes, but I wanted him to be club captain, you know, in the absence of Shelley. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an anti-Ramsey. Mm. You know, I just don't think he's quite as good as some people think he is. Mm. But he has been superb of late. 
He has. And talking of being superb of late, one name you mentioned a moment ago, Dave, is Santi oh. Cazorla, a man who has come back not just from injury, but basically from gangrene, which mm. I didn't know you could still even get, to be honest, to look again like this wonderful, two-footed, creative, goal-scoring midfielder for Villarreal. Yeah, and there's that clip when they're doing the rounds, was it from last night or the night before, where he's, he gets the ball on the edge of his own box and then threads the pass forward and the... You know, the st- put, almost puts a goal on the plate for a striker who sort of still finished off well. Well, apparently, and he, you just think, he, you know, he, when he if he hadn't got injured when he did at Arsenal, there was another league title in that team. Well, that that mm. t- season we lost to Leicester. That's when yeah. he got injured. But I think also, apparently, I, I don't, you know, I don't quote me on this, but I think it was the most chances created by one player in any. La Liga game this season. Ten clear-cut chances created in Ten. the game last night, I think it was. That's actually obscene. That should be in some way illegal. We need a kind of legislation yeah. to stop so we Santi should be having, should we be I do. Hope, I do hope we get Villarreal. I well, do hope we get past just to have him <laughs> back because he never got a chance to say goodbye to the fans, did he? No. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, so who do we blame for that? I mean, there's well, going to be this, there's gonna to be, play, there's gonna be this debate, isn't there, about Danny Welbeck this summer, who's, who's almost fit again and is out of contract in the summer. Completely different player, completely different arguments as to, as to whether to keep him or not. And Santi had been injured for such a long time. You can understand why they, why they let him go, but it's fantastic to see him playing again. Mm. And as Dave said, to see Villarreal back, which means we'll beat Napoli, is another good reason to see him back. And a good omen, <laughs> a semi-final against, against Villarreal. Against Villarreal. Yeah, we know we always beat them in the semis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Never lost to them in a the semi. No, no. <laughs> and it has gone well in the past. It's, of course, the Arsenal fan show coming up in on Love Sport Radio, but it is a big night in a different part of North London. And I think in a moment we're going to have to talk about Spurs. This is Love Sport. It is the Arsenal fan show here on Love Sport Radio, but it is one of the biggest nights in Tottenham Hotspur's recent history. Mm. They're back underway for the second half against Crystal Palace. It's still nil-nil. It's not sounding massively spectacular, massively important, but it is, of course, the opening night for the new White Hart Lane. And could they mess it up? Well, they're not losing, so they're having a pretty good result so far, wouldn't you say? (laughs) I see that the Palace fans were chanting, is this the Emirates at the Tottenham fans because they're being so quiet which uh, we're not allowed to mention on the Arsenal fan show, but it made me smile when I read that. Yeah, lovely stadium, if you like a toilet-shaped um, bowl-type oh, stadium. It, it is a lovely stadium. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually been inside it yet, but um, we'll do. It looks like there's plenty of room to celebrate in there. Someone <laughs> was rest- reminiscing today on Twitter with me about the League Cup semi-final uh, White Hart Lane in 1987. Seven. when uh, Rocky. Rocky and Ian Anderson, all that, and I was... As a, I wasn't a journalist, I was a fan behind the goal. And you look at the pitch of the crowd, and everyone's tumbling on top of each other, really crowded, and it was so exciting. And the noise was amazing, it was fantastic. And I just thought, you know, if, if something similar happened now, there'd be just none, you know, it just would be a completely different atmosphere. And I remember, you know, when we won the league there in 2004 at Lane, it was one of the, it was the second. You have to best. name the year because it's happened more than once. The second, <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was alive in 71, but I wasn't at the game. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, that was the second best night of my life, sort of, sort of day supporting Arsenal at White Hart Lane in 04. But um, yeah, I mean, there's something about that. Eight, the, the, you know, when it was all st- standing stadiums and everyone was all bunching together, the atmosphere was just nothing that you can match there. So they say that the atmosphere is going to be fantastic at this new Tottenham Stadium because they've got this big steep stand at the back of it you probably won't be able to see the pitch which is probably to the benefit of some of their supporters <laughs> but anyway they, they must be delighted because they they've lost four of, that, of their last five games and they're not losing this one yet it's very true do you care how they get on dave Seeger, mr arsenal has been noticeably silent here no does well, it bother you 
Go on, how are they get on tonight? Yeah. Yeah, of course I want them to lose. I mean, I'm a darn Arsenal fan. I never, yeah. want, I never want Spurs to do anything other than lose. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in the context of the uh, of the race for the top four, um, it's, a, it's an important result for Arsenal. Mm. And, and right now, I would go as far as to say, if they don't win tonight, they won't make the top four. Oh, it's a bold, bold statement. Do you well, given that Chelsea are winning, they won't be in the top four unless they win tonight. That's yeah. true. And Chelsea, of course, have had a couple of dodgy weeks recently as well. Something right. will be coming They've had a couple to. of dodgy referees in their pocket, more like. <laughs> well, there is a bit of that going on. But beyond just the way it affects the race for the top four, the way it affects Arsenal, would there be a genuine glee there in just seeing their night ruined? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go down. I mean, it's just a shame that it's not Arsenal playing there and it's Crystal Palace. But I mean, there's a Crystal Palace fan in our office who couldn't get a ticket for the game, but he was really winding up my Tottenham supporting colleague who was on his way to the match tonight saying he's just he's got a really strong feeling for a Palace win and how much they would love to ruin their their first night at the new stadium they are really really up for it Palace yeah I mean I reported on their match at the weekend Palace against Huddersfield and I thought they were pretty poor Palace but the Palace fans I spoke to said that they were pretty good so I listened to the uh, Palace fans I mean they they were better in the second half yeah but they were pretty poor in the first half they can't score I mean they really can't finish those uh those Palace strikers and yeah. they don't need to tonight because a nil-nil draw, if it stays like that, will be fine for all of us in this studio. Anyway, certainly fine by nice me. Nice little Sahar being an Arsenal fan. And nice little, nice little uh, <laughs> Sahar winner in the last minute. That'll do me. Well, it was mm. quite funny talking to the guys from West Ham World just a moment ago because they were saying, well, hang on a minute. We've got two hammers in that Palace team. We've got James Tompkins, who's a oh, proper yeah. West yeah, Ham yeah. lad. Mm. And we've also got Checo Coyarte, who obviously didn't come through at the club, but is held in high regard. And they were saying, if James Tompkins scores the winner and then makes a hammers sign to the camera, <laughs> he can have a stand. Or Checo's the same. They said we could have big Billy Bonds and Cheka Koyate, yeah. shoulder to shoulder. Standing on Bobby Moore's shoulders. Yeah. Quite. So we'll we'll be bringing you updates from Tottenham Palace. They are running out of time to did have you, a Did you see that Harry Kane YouTube, that little thing on his Twitter? Hang on, what was this? Just saying, I'm not going to do Harry Kane, but oh, it's amazing. It's going to be so special. <laughs> it, will just, be. it was just, and I thought it was a spoof. <laughs> I thought it was Darren Berry had dubbed it, you know. Oh, yeah. like it, it just, I thought this can't be. And it actually was. He is. He's. He's a charming guy, Kane. A genuinely charming guy. He's not an eloquent guy. Top striker. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he is a top striker. Likes a goal against Arsenal. Uh, Patrick Christie's, of course, has a show on this station. A mate of his once interviewed Harry Kane, and he did the standard. You know, Harry, what's what's it like to be so important at Spurs? And what's, then step back. What's it? Yeah, he was, he was <laughs> we- wearing wearing a raincoat and standing behind Perspex at the time. Uh, but he was going, you know, what's it like to score goals for England at a World Cup? And then he said he got to the end of the interview, and he thought, right, I'll just I'll just throw one in here for a wind up. And he goes, Harry, what's your view of the Brexit negotiations? And apparently all of the Tottenham press officers basically just spear-tackled him and said, all right, Harry, enough of that. Out you go. Not a politician, but a very good striker. We've got lots of Arsenal to talk about. I think yeah. that's quite enough of Spurs. I was just on the state. I was trying to remember that, because I remember, the, as far as I remember, the first game at the Arsenal Stadium was the Dennis Bergkamp testimonial. Yep. And I'm trying to remember if we had the same sort of hype and build-up. As, as Tottenham are having, I guess they've got nothing else to talk about apart from their stadium at the moment. But okay, they've got a few hundred extra seats than. Uh, well, they're hyping up this game because right. their first proper game was the Legends game, where you'd be hard to pick if you either remembered some of the Spurs <laughs> players are in their Legends. 
<laughs> there were some good ones. Gaza was there. There, there were mm. a few. Of course, the first one, of course, was You've the under far 18s. Too, uh, far too even-handed. Well, I've got, I've got to be balanced. I've got to be broadly <laughs> balanced. I, I thought... I thought. Do, I, do you think there are any non-Arsenal fans listening to us? Yeah. Possibly not. Possibly. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought my highly amusing tweet... Turn the radio off I, if I, you are. I thought, my, I thought my highly amusing tweet saying, I was surprised to see Edinburgh not in the squad, but apparently he was on the fringe, was better than the <laughs> yeah, that, squad. That's very good. <laughs> that is very good indeed. I'll balance it up for you, Nick, yeah. by unbalancing it, by saying the first game, of course, ever played at New York. Hart Lane was the Spurs under 18s yeah. against oh. the Southampton under 18s and the Spurs under 18s managed to beat Southampton which is more than the first team managed yeah. is that okay yeah, yeah. a little bit I, of I wasn't aware of the scores there but thanks at least I'm, I'm better informed than I was no it was it was 3-1 so at least they won but the big one is tonight it's nil nil other scores oh. Chelsea won Brighton nil Olivia Giroud scoring the goal for Chelsea I love him I can't mm. believe he's playing for Chelsea and it's City nor two. can he <laughs> City <laughs> 2 Cardiff nil coming up there are some results around Arsenal that are making things look quite good this is love sport you are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm joined by Dave Seeger of Gunnerstown and Nick Callow of Haters Sport. Unai Emery will obviously be focused on everything his team can do, their own fixtures, getting as many points as possible from a run-in which is being billed as one of the easiest of the teams oh. vying for the top four. But there have also been some other results from other clubs that have gone Arsenal's way, not least last night at Molyneux. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would take exception to that, first of all. I don't think I think Arsenal have got f- seven games left and five of them away from home. They are. For a team that's only won five matches away from home this season, is that right? I mean, they've got to, you know, probably going to have to win at least three or four of those games. Yeah, and they're, they're tough to places Wolves, to go. Like, okay, so first, one of them, apart from Everton this Sunday, Wolves, as you just mentioned last night, beat Man United again. And they're in the FA Cup semi-final on Wednesday. These uh, are Sunday. tough games, but there's no City in there. There's no yeah. Liverpool. There's no Spurs. No, no, yeah. But they're the sort of games that Arsenal in recent years and even this season have sort of struggled in. Oh, you're and, Watford but, away. But, but, haven't, yeah, and Watford, Watford away is another one. But yeah, that was... But the, was way we're, the way we're playing at the moment, Nick. Yeah, OK, I we know. Don't, I, we don't look like a team that's going to lose. You know, I'm not saying we're going to win them all, mm. but we don't look as vulnerable as we have yeah, so on, you can, on, the, on the road. If you're predicting the fixes, you might pick out a few draws there. I mean, you'd think hopefully Sunday at Everton, that's got to be a win. Well, yeah. we have a very good track record yeah. against Everton. Um, but, uh, you know, Watford's difficult. Watford and Wolves are, and Burnley away even. I mean, that should be, that's the last game of the season. But Burnley, if they're, you know, if that could be the match that they need to get a point from or win to... To stay out, I'm just, Dave's just shaking his head at me. What are you talking about, you idiot? So, uh, no, anyway, I, I, let's talk I, I about Wolves beating Man United. That was a question, Johnny. Yeah, see, Wolves are a very good team, whether they're playing Arsenal or not. Wolves are a good team. United, you know, as well as Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has done, they've still got their frailties and they were exposed slightly, weren't they? And they've got Luke Shaw. No, I mean, not only the result, Luke Shaw is now suspended for two games because he's got his 100th booking of the season, whatever it was. And, um, <laughs> Ashley Young as Ashley well. Better than 100 pies last season. Uh, Ashley Young, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Young is suspended for his uh, sending off. So that they, should strengthen them, however. Too. They've got um, West Ham at home. Oh, they're going to beat them. They've got West Ham at home in the next game. And then they've got Everton away. So they're going to be without a couple of their sort of key defenders. But let's see Man how they Man United go have got to play City and Chelsea, however. Yes, they do. Both at home, though, I think. Both at home, yeah, in the last week of April. So let's see how they get on. Man so, United, I'm not so worried about Man United, was you? No, I think I think it's a real all London battle for these last two places between Chelsea, Arsenal. The advantage, and the Tot- the advantage Tottenham have, I believe, is five of their seven games are at home, inclu- yeah. including the one tonight. Mm. But then they've got to play Man City three times in ten days, twice away from home. 
Hmm. So, you know, I don't expect Spurs to get anything from Man City. No, and there's a psychological well, ramification there, isn't there? And if you get spanked three times by City in a short space of time, hmm. you're not going to be feeling great. Yeah, or they could beat them in Europe and then they could get injuries and fatigue and they've only got... I mean, they're always moaning about how they've got any players. Yeah, they've got a squad of they about should, eight people. They should people. sign some more players then, shouldn't they? But they've got even less money than us. Now, I think at the end of the day, we, we've got to take, as Emery would say, as any young Arsenal player would say, we've just got to take care of our own, haven't we? Mm. You know, if we, if we keep winning... They're all very winnable if, games. If we keep winning, we will finish third. It's that mm. simple. You know, we put it in our own hands at the weekend with the results that went in our favour. Certainly... Um, you know, Chelsea were very, very fortunate against Cardiff. That could have been even better for us. They've just scored a third. So they're winning uh, 3-0 against Bryant tonight. So that's that's important because at the moment, not only are we ahead, but we're ahead of all our rivals on goal difference uh, yeah. and a long way ahead of Man United on goal difference and we're a long way ahead of Chelsea. So that's a, that's a big game for Chelsea tonight, getting three goals and not conceding. But I'm still not convinced by Chelsea. I'm far convinced that Tottenham are going to be able to keep this run going, having only got one point in 15. Just because they're winning tonight doesn't change anything for me. They are they are not a team in form, and we are. So mm. let's let's be confident and let's enjoy it while we can. The argument I've been hearing every Thursday night on the Spurs fan show from Last Word on Spurs is that, and you're rolling your eyes, Dave, with good reason. Where are you, Riggy? <laughs> but they are obsessed by this stadium in a way that mm. is arguably excessive and what they say is listen it's so wonderful the cheese room is so pungent the beers fill up so quickly from the bottom that actually we're going to win every game at home this season because mm. they they are of the opinion that the atmosphere at home for Spurs will be such that they're all gimmies which obviously okay. is a little bit extreme but I think well, it also helps that they're playing Crystal Palace tonight Huddersfield Brighton West Ham and Everton I mean you'd expect them to beat them in any stadium wouldn't you those five games but sorry to interrupt you Johnny no 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 I, I, that was full that, flow then no that's, no that's ideal yeah. that was that was actually precisely the point mm. in the sense that their form is terrible but actually if you look at the fixtures if you look at the stadium they should pick it up really yeah the only match they should not win is Manchester City away you know, their only away game is Bournemouth away they should win that and they should win all their home games. Hmm. But is that like they should have won at Burnley? <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that they'll win all their home games and their only really difficult away game is at Man City and then Bournemouth away with uh, Arsenal uh, potential Ryan Fraser. But it's pressure, isn't it? I mean, it's not mm. just, what what comes with the new stadium is the pressure to deliver yeah. in the new stadium. Well, so I'm saying that they'll get they'll, they're nailed on for fourth then Tottenham. Hmm. 21 points might not be enough. Mm. Well, but this is the thing, isn't it? And then the focus for Unai Emery has got to just be, well, you know what? We've got this fixture list and we've just got to beat what's in front of us. Yeah. And you- I, don't think, I don't think the Arsenal players will be left you know, to, to, to be thinking anything other than that way. Yeah, um, he is. I mean, he is the most yeah. obsessed manager I've ever come across in my long career about talk, talking about only the next game and not looking about... Although, having said that, he's acutely aware of how many points he's got compared to Arsenal Wenger last season <laughs> and how everything else is shaping around and... He knows all the stats from every team. He is obsessed about statistics and fixtures and, and everything, but he makes sure that the players are only thinking about the about the next game, which they're probably not, let's face it, because they've got minds of their own. Well, there is always that. Apparently. The other focus, and it will be a minor focus, half an eye on it, but it is coming up, is that transfer window. Who mm. Arsenal should be going after, who they can go after, and whether who they can target is affected by which European competition they end up in. And coming up, we'll be talking to James Benj, senior football reporter of Football.London, to find out who should be in the fray. This is Love Sport.
It's the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, and I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by James Benj, senior football reporter. From Friend of football. the show. London. Friend of the show. James, thanks ever so much <laughs> for joining us this evening. We've been hearing the name Ryan Fraser a lot recently. He's the Scottish winger who's been doing very, very good things for Bournemouth, second in the assist charts only to Aiden Hazard. Do you think that's a realistic target for Arsenal? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, He's certainly someone that they're taking a really close look at. I think the fact he's got Premier League experience and he's doing it in the top division really helps. He's he's, he's out of contract at the end of next season, so I still don't think he'd come cheap. I've not heard a figure, but it wouldn't shock me if he still kind of came in at sort of somewhere between twenty and thirty million. But for a kind of winger with proven Premier League experience, he's young and quick. I mean, I think that's a price that Arsenal would probably be willing to pay. Personally, I think he's a really, really, really good player and just what Arsenal need. Good point. Nick Callow here, James. I mean, if you think 25 to 30 million, that's probably, whether they're in Europa League or Champions League, the best part of half of their summer transfer budget, don't you think? Yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, I know everything we've heard is that money is really tight. And, I mean, I guess it's going to depend on who they can get out the door, um, where they kind of have to strengthen, because we know that they'll need to replace Aaron Ramsey. Uh, it might be that they feel they need to get another right back in if uh, Stefan Lichtsteiner goes. You know, they're looking at a left back as well. It's a lot of stuff they're going to try and do with not much money. So I wonder if they might have to be creative with one of these transfers and, and get someone in on loan with an option like they did with Suarez and, and just hope that they're a bit more successful. Yeah, actually, but, might actually start yeah. a game, the odd game, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, nice it makes, me, makes me laugh when people say you can't judge Emery until he's had a sort of two or three transfer windows, but he needs to have the ability to actually sign some players to be able to be judged, doesn't he? Well, I'm not convinced by the 40, 50 million anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced there's going to be a lot more cash. Do you think it's going to be a big by, summer spending? I do. I, I really do, yeah. And on, on, on Ryan Fraser, I don't know if you saw it. You, I think you did see the tweet because, I mean, he's, I looked at it. I looked it up because the last three seasons he's been playing regularly. So in 86 Premier League appearances, he's got 18 assists and 14 goals. So essentially he's contributed to, you know, in, in, positively to, you know, in thir- over a third of their games since he's been playing regularly in the Premier League. There aren't too many attacking, you know, mm. creative midfield players or wide players who could say that, and certainly not too many at Arsenal of late. So he would, would, so would he'd be a squad man, though, wouldn't he? He wouldn't go straight into the team ahead of. Well, I don't know. How many, it depends. I mean, I asked a few Bournemouth fans today. Do mm. they think he's better than Alex Iwobi? Most of them would say yes. Right. Alex Iwobi's probably started as many games as anyone at Arsenal, barring Shaka this season. Mm. So you know, you, you, who knows? Yeah. Well, who before knows? before Suarez came in, as James will know, you know, in his press conferences, he was saying we need winger, 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 and it got this. <laughs> I winger. thought he replaced winger. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't to come back. That was that's, that was he was actually saying bring back Arsene, but and then Suarez has played how many? I mean, Dave's the stat man. I don't, he's probably played about not even ninety minutes in total, has he? I'm not that much of a stat. No, man. but I mean, no, you've I got, well, you just uh, no. That was my own tweet. Out. I was reading. Oh, your own tweet. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of extensive research this morning for that. Yeah, um, stat no, man. but I suppose the other question is, and I don't know if you you guys between you get more feel of it than me, but you know, everyone's talking about Amici, everyone's talking about Saka. And then, of course, we've forgotten Reese Nelson. So they're three players who ostensibly play in the same position as Ryan Fraser, which is another question you'd have to raise. Mm. If, they, if it's serious and they go for Ryan Fraser, you'll get the same old question from Arsenal fans. Is that suppressing the ability for one of these three youngsters to break through? Yeah, I Would think... you reckon on that one, James? I, 
it's a tough one to call because ultimately quite soon you're going to be moving on, probably not this summer, but at some stage you're going to be moving on from Mkhitaryan. Uh, was not going to be in the team forever either. Um, so I think kind of if you look at the age profile of someone like Amici or Nelson, and they're both great players, I, I can't actually see both of them staying. I think one of them will eventually be sold for quite a lot of money. Um, I think you've probably got space to justify them, them and Fraser in the squad. Because, um, you know, as, as Nick said, Unai was obsessed with getting a winger. And I think for whatever reason, he kind of ended up settling for whatever it is Denis Suarez does. Uh, I'm none the wiser at the moment. So there's a real desire for a winger from, from Emery in particular. And I think if you look at the, the players they're looking at, to me, Fraser ticks more boxes than the most. I mean, you know, maybe someone fantastic comes on the market that they could get. What, what about the uh, lad from Wren? I mean, that's the other one. That's the other wide player we've been linked with. I mean, he obviously he did very well against uh, the home leg. Yeah, Saar, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 certainly going to be one that they'll look at. Um, I like him. I thought he was really good against Arsenal. I don't know how how genuine. I think kind of it got a little bit overstated because Arsenal happened to be playing Wren, so everyone got very excited about how genuine that interest was. And you know there was this this, this idea that Arsenal and Wren officials had a meeting after the game. Where it's like, well, of course they did. They were at the same game. Mm. Um, but yeah, he'll a he's glass of be that They'll look at. And <laughs> <laughs> he's um, you know as Nick on there because money's tight even if it's, you know, whatever the final figure is, money is tight. They're going to have to be really, really careful in terms of constructing deals. And they may have a few on the go at once before they pull the trigger on any specific one. Mm. Where, where, where do you see sort of Mesut Ozil fitting in now? Because it seemed at the turn of the year, he would be going out of the club in the summer, even if it meant Arsenal would have to pay a portion of his wages, which would have freed up quite a lot of the wage sort of bit in terms of financial fair play and so on. But... Now it looks like Emery sort of got under his skin, and certainly, if you take Monday night's game and a couple of more recent games, he seems to be coming, becoming a key player under Unai. So um, I'd be surprised if he left in the summer, which would mean his huge ways are still on the wage bill. Do you, would you go along with that, James? Yeah, absolutely. I think always the, the problem with Özil is that he loves being an Arsenal player, and he loves you know everything that comes with that, you know, the good and the bad. Um, we know he's, you know, he, he he's got quite. He's been used to quite a comfortable existence under Arsene Wenger, and that, but I think actually since Emery's come in over the last few months, it does seem like a bit like he's buckled, buckled down, and mm. he's working really hard on defence. You know, in that Newcastle game, I don't mean he particularly made like a load of tackles or anything, but you know, he was always back, he was always chasing, and just making sure there was a body between the ball and the goal and you know I think I saw him jump for that, a header I saw, I saw him jump for a header in the first half oh, <laughs> that was the flood I can't believe that <laughs> I can't see that to believe it James beyond just Ryan Fraser are there any other players from the Premier League or beyond who you've seen Arsenal link with who you think would be good additions um, it's a bit of a left field one but another one where I know there's, there's genuine interest is um, Joe Aribo at Charlton no, what what do you make look- of him, James? Because I, I talk to the Charlton lads a lot on our Charlton fan show. I think he's a great player. I think I think he wins the ball well, and he's one of these players who wins the ball and then he's already carrying it forward almost in mm. one motion. But that comes with the caveat of, I think he's a great player for Charlton. Do you think he could step up? I do, because I think that, that those sort of skills are pretty applicable at any level of the English game. And yeah. it's something that Arsenal don't 
have a Gwendozy a little bit, but they don't have someone that kind of carries the ball through the lines. This is such a lazy comparison, and he's not anywhere near that level, but it is a bit like watching Patrick Vieira when you see him play. Obviously at a much lower level, but Sign that ability to... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the ability to just win the ball back and then in a few quick strides, because he's got incredibly long, powerful legs, like, he'll just cover the pitch like, like nothing. I think he's great. I think for, for free, effectively, which is what you'd be getting him for, he's really worth chucking a decent contract at because if he doesn't work out, I mean, you're not going to lose anything. On Perhaps him. we can swap in for Carl Jenkinson. <laughs> <laughs> they can have him back. Uh, James, do you, th- do you think he'd play then? Do you think, unlike the Denis Suarez syndrome, if he came into the club, he'd actually get a chance in the first team? Yeah, I actually do. I, I mean, the, one of the things that's really impressed me about Unai is that he is playing young players. I mean, I know we, we all kind of have got to the stage where we kind of think of Iwobi as a fixture, but the kid's 22 years old. He's play, He's one of the most regular players. I mean, Gwendozy, I don't think there's right now a teenager other than Alexander-Arnold who's playing more more minutes at a higher level. Like Emery, I think Emery's willing to trust young players and I think he might start as someone that plays in the Europa League and the League Cup and, you know, tries to win his place in the Premier League from there. But I honestly think that, you know, if the, if Charlton was asking for twenty million or whatever for a, you know, I wouldn't do that. But as a free a risk relatively risk free transfer, go for it because you've got three really good midfielders in front of him. And it saves you a bit of money that you can invest elsewhere. I think. I think the other thing, James, that we, you know, if you if you look at those two particular targets, and I have no reason to doubt you, um, the uh, let's uh, let's have homegrown factor seems to be coming into play, because we are yeah. desperately short of homegrown players. You know, if Welbeck goes, uh, Ramsey goes, you know, we need two homegrown players in the squad, uh, and if we're not going to yeah. promote from within, and we don't have to because they're under twenty one, maybe that's something they're thinking about as well. Because actually, that, that's why um, Mavropanos got left out of the Europa League squad as well. Is it was something I can't, I mean, the specifics evade me just now, but they wanted to add him, but because of all the complications with who's homegrown and the fact that a lot of their homegrown players were injured, he just couldn't, they couldn't make room for him in the squad. So having some young homegrown players would really help Arsenal a lot. James, it's been lovely speaking to you. Thanks ever as so ever. much for your time. As ever, James Bench, their senior football reporter from Football.London and friend of the show. Stay with us here on the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio because he likes saying good evening a lot, but we've heard in the last week that Unai Emery might not be the me- the best communicator when it comes to the press. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can do so on 0208 70 20 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. Communication is key. It's a phrase that my girlfriend keeps saying to me. I've got no idea what she's on about. He's making one up again, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, she actually doesn't exist. (laughs) But it's also massively important on the football pitch, and it's important off the football pitch as well, particularly for a manager. Your role isn't just coaching the team, not just the transfers. It's also a case of communicating with the press, which Nick Callow, 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 Cello. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Kellogg's. <laughs> Special guest. You know all about. Special guest. <laughs> I, I am a communicator. Nick communicator, some people call me. Now, this is, I find this quite an interesting debate because I can remember the beginning of the season, the senior Arsenal sort of press officer came and briefed some of us up at the training ground and said, 
Look, we're saying, what's he like? Is he going to is he going to speak in English? Is he going to have a translator with him? He said, well, he's, he's been desperately learning English since the day he was appointed, but he's no Arsene Wenger. You know, you're not going to go away with a good story every week. Just get used to that. He's going to be press conferences will be much shorter, and you're not going to get good stories out of him. But don't hold it against him. Two nil Tottenham. Sorry to ruin my flow. There. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Nothing happening here. Uh, and I remember saying to a friend, and they came and gave his press conference, we didn't really say anything, we couldn't really understand what he was saying, even though he was speaking in English with the help of a, a translator. And um, I said, to him, this is going to be really bad, you know, Arsenal are not going to be in the papers, they're not going to be on TV so much this season, because there won't be so many positive stories coming out of the club. Because Arsene Wenger, whatever people thought of him towards the end of his career there, was a fantastic communicator. And he could talk about anything from, from Brexit to the opposition to anyone, anything from football to non-football, and had humour and class and everything he said. And poor Unai, apparently he's just as boring in Spanish as well. Oh, bless him. Oh, <laughs> bless him. That must be <laughs> But does it matter? Funny. My mate said, well, I don't care whether he's interesting to you guys, but you're just being selfish. You want to write easy, you want an easy life with stories. I said, yes, I do. He said, well, as long as the team wins, I don't care whether we're in the papers or not. Well, I suppose there might be an element on the recruitment front, whereas you were saying, Nick, if we're not on the telly, then young players might be influenced by the club, hmm. less of a way. Dave has brought to our attention wonderfully this article by Paul Brown in the Daily Star where he's talking about Emery's communication. He's not very flattering. He says it's because his press match conference is, to be brutally honest, usually dreadful. It doesn't stop there. Trying to get an opinion out of him is like trying to get blood from a stone, which is not easy at the best of times. Original prose there from the Daily Star. Yeah, (laughs) which is, you get what you pay for. Uh, But it is even harder when there's always a press officer trying to get him out of the room as quickly as possible if that Mm. wasn't enough Emery has apparently gone on record as saying he's trying to learn English by watching Peaky Blinders Blinders, so I love the idea of him coming out with a Brummy accent well, that, that, that is probably the only or single... the of an Irish bloke trying to, trying to sound like he's got yeah. <laughs> I remember that press conference. That was the only time he actually sort of raised a laugh in the press room and people thought, oh, we've got, actually got an interesting story here. We can see a little bit the human side of Unai Emery. You've got a picture of him sitting at home watching Peaky Blinders saying he couldn't understand half of the of the stuff anyway, but he thought it was quite entertaining. I can't if, understand If it. not a bit violent. I've never seen it personally, but um, I'm sorry it's very good. This is, let's, let's remember here, for the first two seasons at Southampton, Pochettino, who though he obviously could speak perfect English, mm. decided not to and spoke through a translator to Match of the Day and mm. Sky. That was ridiculous. And the press were like giving him a hard time. Emery's trying. Yes, he is. He's yeah. making the effort to speak. Yeah. There's many managers okay. that haven't. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not coming sort of down on one side. I'm just quite interested what, what Arsenal fans think, whether they think it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's not a great communicator. I do worry what he's like in the dressing room because... You know, he will be trying to speak in English and not all of the Arsenal players will better understand what he's saying because his English is so poor. But it seems, to be, work, it seems to be working. And if he's speaking simple football language, then maybe that's fine. And well, there we've, are, we've all wondered for the last, you know, how many years what Steve Bold's doing. Yeah. Now we know. There are, I tell you what, there <laughs> are... Translating it into English. You know, I don't know, I mean, I don't know what fans think of this at all, but there are fewer and fewer journalists turning up to the pre-match press conferences at the training ground every match now because they know that they've got much less chance of getting a story. And the press conferences generally clash with Tottenham and Chelsea on a Friday now and, and more journalists sound bites. more people are going to Tottenham and Chelsea now when, when it's Wenger everyone would be at Arsenal but for Arsenal and Arsenal fans you could see this as a potentially good thing obviously not yeah. for those of us in the media but another quote in this Star article it says he's uh, well he quotes some of his personal favourites will Mesut Ertzel play tomorrow is the question the response from Unai Emery is one word maybe now 
okay, not exactly eloquent, but from an Arsenal point of view, isn't that potentially a good thing? Because you're minimising the opportunity for press wind-up. You're not engaging. You're not allowing us to spin it in a way that's going to mm. cause problems in the dressing gr- ground or Yeah, because Wenger certainly created bad press as much as he created good press. Yeah, you make a rod you know, for your he, own back. He did make a rod for his own back a lot. And the one thing, whatever we say about how he communicates with the media, um, let, if, let's go back to Mesut Ozil. Whatever he said to Mesut Ozil, however much he's got under Mesut Ozil's skin, it's worked. Mm, you so know, far. he's come back. No, but he, he had him out of the side and barely mm. playing for two or three months. He's come back absolutely more aggressive, more focused. His passing's back to his absolute best. On, on Monday night, some of his passing mm. was exquisite. And you think, well, I haven't seen that. I thought I think I saw it at the Leicester game at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then I hadn't seen it for months. The last few weeks I've seen it regularly again. So it's worked, you know, and I so if he can communicate with the players and get them to play the way he wants, I really don't care what mm. he says to the likes of John Cross, to be honest. Yeah, and the crowd I mean and if you look the you know, the attendances were quite poor this season, but they seem to be creeping back up again now. And that's on the back of not much publicity, but that's on the back of good results and good football. Yeah, no. And absolutely. that's what's that's what the fans are talking and, about. And, so and, we're playing you know, well, and as, we're and as he gets more confident Hmm. Of course, I mean, we don't know whether he's a witty guy or not. No, he, well, I'm just he, saying, you know. uh, I just was speaking to a Spanish journalist saying, because, you know, the, one of the guys was moaning at the press ground, uh, training ground the other day saying, God, you know, it's like getting blood out of a stone, as Paul so eloquently put in his piece in the start. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's right for you because you can speak to him in Spanish. He goes, he's just the same. Well, we had, we, we had uh, um, what's his name, Molina on the, on the, the, the guy who wrote his biography, which obviously updated it since mm. he came over. He, you know, he came on the show uh, a few months ago. And, uh, he couldn't speak highly enough hmm. of him. Obviously, I mean, I guess he's paid him to write his biography, but you know, he he, he certainly th- found him very amusing with a lot of stories to share. Well, good. Well, I look forward to uh, that. Show. I mean, it's you know, it's, I think you should be learning Spanish, Nick. To be fair, well, it's <laughs> I, it's you know, I speak from a position of, of great strength here. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just the one, yeah. Nick. Yeah. In fact, there was in, I remember there was uh, he never buys around. Last uh, <laughs> so last Friday we had no, just the one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just, I, th- I have to think in Spanish and translate it back into English, so it takes a yeah, bit longer. But last Steve Friday, I remember, like yeah, yeah. one of the one of the, the journalists was said the question was something like, "Oh, you know, when you when you're after losing those first two games of the season to Man City and Chelsea, you're bottom of the table. Now you've got the sort of top four in your own hands. You know, would you have sort of taken this situation? Would you would you have said?" And he sort of paused. And he goes, "Would you have said muchas gracias?" Oh God! <laughs> and uh, Emery goes, "Yeah, see, si, see, si, see." Si. He quite liked it. And uh, but that's the standard of Spanish of generally in the sort of the press core. Yeah, interesting. So, so he has, yeah, he has made a, a hell of an effort. Yes, this guy travels the whole time with him. If there's a bit of a you know a trick question, tricky question, he can't quite understand and have it translated for him. And if he's struggling, he'll sometimes sort of lean on him, maybe give him a bit of time to think. But yeah, he has worked very, very hard with his English and he's obviously communicating with the players, which, as Dave says, is the most important thing. Yeah, and I actually, I think in modern football, we don't see enough of people taking time to think. And I don't have a problem with the Arsenal manager doing that before he speaks. It'll be interesting to get another line on this. And in just a moment, we'll be speaking to Simon Collings, who is a sports reporter for the Evening Standard Talking Arsenal. He'll give us his take on Unai Emery's reign more broadly and also how good his English is. This is Love Sport.
It's the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Dave Seeger of Gunnerstown and special guest Nick Callow of Haters Sport. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined on the line by Simon Collings, who's a sports reporter for the Evening Standard covering the Arsenal. You were at Unai Emery's press conference on Friday, Simon. Did he answer in full sentences? <laughs> well, um, I mean, this is uh, something that's come to light in in this recent days, isn't it? After uh, Paul Brown's piece um, for the Daily Star. And um, it was interesting. Can, can Paul Brown speak good English, by the way? Because <laughs> he doesn't he, write he very well. I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> I, can confirm that. Um, I think it was it was an interesting press conference. I mean, if those of you have been able to, to see it, I mean, broadcast also on Haters' YouTube channel where um, particularly this sort of... Have you, did Nick ask you to do that? Who? No, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> Is he giving you that ten later? I'm not, I'm not, he, he used to work for him until recently. Yeah. Oh, he's a traitor. This uh, <laughs> 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 is me trying to stay in the good books. Um, but it, it was more with the sort of questionings from from Sky, where you know he was asked about Solskjaer's appointment and gave a sort of four word answer, and it, it it was. I mean, Nick, Nick was there as well. He can probably say, but it, it was quite awkward and. I guess perhaps, you know, Emery might answer then, you know, what is, uh, he's being asked a question about the new manager of Man United. Is it really relevant for him to be asking about that? But I think certainly in the British media, you know, press conferences are very much, you know, there will be global questions from Sky and other broadcasters where they want the manager on, you know, a broader aspect where I think a big thing for foreign managers when they come here is understanding that the press conferences are much more global rather than being, you know, relevant to the match you'll often see foreign managers going well you know why aren't we talking about the opposition we're talking about x y and z so i think that might have explained it a bit but it was it was certainly perhaps not the the most talkative press conference memory shall we say but it's always so isn't it isn't it simon and with the question we were asking before you came on was just how important that is to either arsenal fans or arsenal's success as a as a team on the pitch but what maybe is important is it's sort of as a global brand spreading the word of Arsenal around the world so they actually can make some money to sign some new players in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you speak to any Arsenal fan, or when I speak to Arsenal fans, they don't, if I go, oh, you know, Huna Henry, <laughs> difficult work, they, they don't really care. No. I really don't think they care because if the team performs well on the pitch and Emery gets the best out of the players, do they care what he's like in the media? Um, and I think for the for the club and for Emery, I think it's different to, to what it was a few years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, in terms of the role and the importance of newspapers. They're obviously still important and it's still a big part of it. But you look at Arsenal in terms of their social media reach, you look at Arsenal in terms of everything that club does, it's not reliant on newspapers as its sole output. Yes, it is an output, but there's so much more to the media branch of a football club these days that I don't think... Um, it's as important as it used to be, which is perhaps why the manager's role isn't as important in, in a press conference. And it's difficult for Emery because he's always going to be compared to Arsene Wenger, who was, and probably still is if he came back into management, one of the best at dealing with the media. But also, I mean, you've got to give him credit because if he, if he didn't speak much English before he came, he's doing very, very well. Um, I was just comparing him to Pochettino for the first two years at Southampton. He used a translator. 
Uh, no, I don't remember anybody going into overdrive. I know it's a smaller club, but mm. you know it's not that it's not that different. And you know if if he's carrying on at the rate he is from where he started in August, by the start of next season, next August, I think he's going to be a lot more fluid. Well, and ma- up, and yeah. maybe we will start to see a bit more of his personality. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think we do need to give him give him respect for that in in the fact that he hasn't once you know come in with a translator and he's been insistent that he's not going to use a translator and he's. You know, right from from Singapore when he was first there doing media from his unveiling, he has done it in English and deserves an incredible amount of credit for that. And it is difficult. It is difficult to get your personality across in another language. I mean, I I can barely string a sentence together in Spanish or French, let alone conduct a whole press conference. You know, it's to millions fine, of people. Simon, because <laughs> I'll uh, translate for you, Simon. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, Nick's here. He can, he can order beer, you a beer. One beer. It's, it's not really Nick, not Nick a knows how to order only one beer yeah. in five languages, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think he does deserve a lot of credit for that. And Thank you. I mean, you look at someone... <laughs> yeah, Nick, you deserve credit for that. But I think you look at Matt Zari at Watford, who was just next door, and he spent a whole year where he didn't speak a word of English. And part of the reason why he lost his job was simply because the club was saying, you know, if, if he's not made any effort with the language internally and externally, it counts against you. So I think in, in terms of Emery, he deserves credit for, for the fact he's he not once tried to use a translator so what about in the wider sense um we haven't we haven't spoken for a few weeks on this show so um so are you pleased i mean i know you're an independent journalist but you are. <laughs> um are you pleased um with what you've seen the last few months yeah I, I think um it's taken i think everyone will admit it's taken time for emery to to get his imprint and get his style on arsenal but i think now the fact that he's seemingly found a way of of getting a bombyang Lacazette, Ozil and Ramsey all in the same team and all playing well, um, he deserves a lot of credit for. And I think now going into the, the last part of the season when he's got those four all firing, they all seem to be clicking together and the back three looks good and Xhaka looks good in the midfield alongside Ramsey. It feels like he's, he's got it together at the right time. Whether they can get that top four, um, I know Nick and I were discussing this the other day and, and We've obviously got no one outside the top six to play, but there's some very difficult away games in there, as we saw with Wolves, Leicester under Brendan Rodgers, and, and Burnley is, is a difficult trip as well. So I think it's going to be very tight. The benefit for, for Emery is he has two cracks at it, essentially, is, as having the Europa League and trying to finish in the top four. So um, personally, I think, I think the Europa League might be the best route to go, given, given the teams left in that. Really? I, th- I think mm. it's, I think it's in our hands, and I think the way we're playing, you know, this isn't the same Arsenal of two months ago. I, I you know, I think I think we've got every chance of finishing in the top four. But uh, there you go. That's just me. Mm. But no, I also no, you're, you're not alone. No, 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 there is an interesting question. Sorry, coming back to what Simon. So interesting, you're saying about getting those four playing well together. I still think there'll be a lot of rotation. Mm. Uh, I think I think a fresh Torreira goes straight back into that side, and it's Ramsey that misses out personally. I think Torreira and Shaka will be will be the partnership, and, Ra- and Ramsey will be used as a potent weapon. That's my view. But, uh, yeah, and it, he picked up a knock, didn't he? A strain or something on Monday night. So I'd be amazed if he starts on. He, there's no way he'd start, even if he was fit probably on Sunday because he would rotate him, and but he'll be. No, and, 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 and comes, Shaka will be fit as well. Shaka yeah. sounds like it, from what he said after the match, Shaka will be fit, and then after Sunday, Torreira's. Ban no, is over. Yeah, after Sunday. After yeah. Sunday's ban is over. And then, like you say, yeah, Ramsey's probably back on the bench for the next game. Against although, Gen- although Gwen Doozy has ultimately been used too much and mm. is looking a shadow of the player he looked a couple of months mm. ago. 
But I think you're saying, Simon, overall, would you saying it's sort of, it's gone to expectations or better than expectations so far? Um, I, I think at the moment it's probably about, you know, where everyone would, would, would hoping Emery would be at this point in the season. I think certainly my expectations were if Arsenal finished in the top four where, where they're sitting at the moment, that would be a good season. And, and if he maintains that, um, that's very good for me. That was that should have been the aim for Emery, finishing the top four. If you finish in the top four and win a trophy, that's above expectations. So at the moment, um, I think he's on course for, for meeting expectations and, and getting back in the Champions League, which which should be his aim. And as you guys pointed out there, I think the fact that you can debate over Terrell coming in, Guendouzi coming in, is a good, good sign because it proves that there's strength and depth and there is quality there to, to rotate and what if we've had the first of eight games this month, as Dave says, you know, you, they are going to have to rotate. They are going to have to to swap players. Well, he's done that. He's, it, he's done that rotation brilliantly this season for me. Yeah. And in, 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 in your summary there, though, to pick you up though, Simon, you, you're mixing, hoping, and expecting there. You know, at the start mm. of your the start of your, you said you know, it, 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 it's where I hoped we'd be, and then by the end, you're saying it's where we expected to be. And I'm not sure. I'm not speaking for you personally, but I'm not sure many of the media expected Arsenal to be in the top four. No. And I think fans hoped we'd be in the top four. So if we do finish in the top four, it's definitely exceeded hope and expectation. Yeah, I would agree. I, would, I think if most people in the in their pre or most media in their pre sort of season predictions would have had Arsenal probably fifth or sixth um, and just missing out. So I, I think he's got credit so far, Emery, for what he's done. Um but if he finished in that top four, I think um, he would deserve deserve even more credit for, for the work he's done this season. Simon, talking of predictions, I'm afraid I'm going to have to put you on the spot. It's Everton up next. How do you think it's going to go? Um, I mean, Everton have slightly turned a corner, haven't they, recently? from They were superb from... against West Ham. Although West yeah, Ham were terrible. Um, since they, yeah, I mean, since I, they I, dropped Theo. Yeah, I mean, from what people have said, that was one of the worst performances that um, West Ham have, have given all sh- season. Shocking. Um, but I, th- I think with Everton, they've in that sort of February time, there was a, a few question marks being raised about about Marco Silva and and the job he was doing there. And in fair play to him, he has has turned it around. But I, th- I think Arsenal can can certainly get a result there and go there with confidence. Um, and the fact they've got that Napoli game. A few days after means there will be rotation, but I think this is. Um, What's the score going to be, Simon? Oh, there's the journalist in the room. Stop dodging the question <laughs> in get Spanish. Result, you get a result. It could be anything. What's the score going to be? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for for two one Arsenal. Two one Arsenal. He's a confident man, and it's been lovely speaking to you, Simon. Simon Collings there, who Thanks, covers Simon. Arsenal Thanks, for Simon. the Evening Standard. Lovely to speak to you. We've heard the Arsenal side of things, and coming up, I think it's time we heard how Everton are feeling ahead of the game. That's right, it's the time in the Arsenal Fan Show where we hear from Arsenal's next opponents and I'm delighted to say we are joined on the line by Chris Smith who's a Squawker journalist and Everton fan. Evening Chris, thanks ever so much for joining us. Everton were brilliant against West Ham although it does have to be said that the Hammers perhaps made them look good as well. Given that performance, are you confident ahead of the game against Arsenal? I uh, am. Uh, I'm less confident against Arsenal than I was against West Ham or Chelsea, to be honest. Um, basically, I think Arsenal were the informed side in that sort of little battle for the, for the top four. And I just think they could really cause us some problems, even with the, 
up-shooting form that we've had. That's a confident opening. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there's a few Arsenal fans are saying that the uh, upturn in Everton's fortunes might have resulted in Theo Walcott not starting on the on the on the right side of the attack. Would that be harsh? I don't think Everton no. fans have, have taken to him, have they? They did initially, no. but they, they, they've certainly turned on him a bit. I think. Yeah, he, he started well when he first moved, and he, he gave us a little bit of a injection of sort of pace and directness, which we were sorely lacking under Allardyce. But this season, he's He's faded fast, and I think his days are numbered now with us, to be honest. What did what Chris Nick Callagher? What did you think of the story today? I think it was today linking Danny Welbeck with moving to uh, Goodison in the summer. So you've got Theo and Welbeck together. That's really a lethal combination. <laughs> it's it's a link, to be honest. That it it's followed Everton for a number of years. Um, seems to have gone a little bit quieter since he's gone to Arsenal, but it's definitely in his United days, he was he was linked with us quite a lot. Personally. It's, it's even before his injury, but especially afterwards, I'd be against it. I think I don't think he's the right caliber of player um, if we really want to push on and sort of challenge them top four, top six places in the future. See, ironically, most Arsenal fans would like to see him given a new deal, mm. and we think yeah, we've, we've, right. we've, we've, we just, well, you've got a player who can play anywhere across the front three, and he's he's always you know he's always impacting games from the bench. So as he did for Man United under Ferguson. So I guess yeah, we sort of miss fair. him. Certainly, we've missed him in, in the Europa League. But uh, yeah, that, that's the big reason why we kept him over Sorry, Chris. Mm. I, so I say, even just I, I suppose there's a lot to be said just for a player who's got who's just got pace. Mm. Yeah, um, it, it can turn a game so quickly. So in in terms of the strikers, Everton have already got on their books. Tosin's been disappointing. Calvert Lewin mm. actually looked really quite lively against West Ham, particularly in terms of the runs he was making. But his finishing still leaves a bit to be desired. Do you think he's good enough or will the club be reinvesting in the summer? I was actually, you'll remember, I was on the uh, the Chelsea show a couple of weeks ago ahead of us playing Chelsea um, and I actually championed Tozen for, to, to be our starting striker. Um, obviously, since then, Calvert-Lewin's carried on some really good form um, so I'll be sticking with him until the end of the season and I'd be... I wouldn't want to get rid of him, but at the same time, I don't think I still don't think he's going to be a top quality player uh, because of that lack of finishing. His hold up play can sometimes leave a bit to be desired as well. Richarlison's been. Has he been? I know he went off the ball for a while, but he, you know, you're pleased with him, presumably. That most Everton fans are still still backing him to play. And I think Everton fans quite like look the look Lookman when he gets a chance, but he doesn't seem to get many chances. Yeah, uh, with, with Richarlison, obviously, we're, I think we were all a bit nervous just because of the, the massive fee that we spent on him. Um, I, I, like A lot of people questioned it. Uh, Paul Merson himself said, on, on, I think it's on Sky, um, that we'd ruined the transfer window by signing him for that fee. Um, to be honest, it, he's been good. You, you're going to get patchy, patchy form from a young player. And you've got to remember, he is still, I think he's only still 21. Uh, it's going to happen. Um, with Luckman... He's got pace. He's really good at 1v1 situations. It feels to me like he doesn't get on with the manager, whether that's down to his attitude or Marco Silva's attitude. Obviously, only they'll know on the training ground. Mm. We've, been, we've been assessing Unai Emery's season here. and we've, we've widely agreed that he's exceeded expectations if Arsenal can stay in the top four and the way they're playing at the moment. What would you say about Silva's season at Everton? Started well. It, it was it was promising. We were sort of hovering in around the top six or seven places, looking like we were going to be dangerous. And that 
that Derby defeat at Anfield absolutely killed us for a, a good few months. Um, I, I had a look at the stat today. We lost 10 out of 16 after that. Uh, in, well, starting wow. off from that Derby defeat. It, it took a nil-nil against Liverpool. Actually, we beat Cardiff just before it, but to really kick-start us again, it, it, it took a, another draw against Liverpool, really, at, at Goodison Park to get us going again. Um, shoot to recovery in there. Looks, looks like we're going to finish the season strongly. Which bodes well for next season, I suppose. I just, he just doesn't seem to. Uh, sorry, he doesn't seem to have a consistent selection, though. He seems to. Ro- he, I mean, I don't. I don't sense he's rotating. I sense he's still trying to find a formula. Would that yeah, be fair? I, I would agree. Yeah, um, he, he seems to have settled on it a little bit more in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, which coincidence or not, it, it's come alongside our our improved form. I think he's starting to get an idea of what his what his best eleven is. But at the same time, there's a few players there that. For example, Idrissa Gay, we're not sure if he's going to be there next season. Um, and the fact that he's 29 years old. Gilfie Sigurdsson, as much as I think he's a brilliant player, uh, he's also 29 years old. He's looking at the squad now and, and thinking there's a couple that he get rid of anyway and a couple that his hand's going to be forced on. So it's still quite quite tough and it's still a bit of a building process for him. I was just wondering, Chris, what's it like being an Evertonian in a season where Liverpool are threatening to finally win a trophy again? We've been very kind to... Tottenham in here tonight celebrating their maiden <laughs> victory at their marvellous new toilet-shaped stadium. What's it like <laughs> being an Evertonian seeing that Liverpool might be actually a half-decent team again? Uh, terrible, mm. if I'm going to put it. Not that good for <laughs> Arsenal fans, are we're, uh, we're all pricing up flights to the moon at the moment just in case the worst happens. <laughs> oh. <laughs> good result tonight, City beating... Um, Whoever they've beaten, anyway. Yeah, you don't need to launch the shuttle just yet, Chris. I know that the latest piece you wrote for Squawker focuses on Michael Keane, and it also focuses on Arsenal, because you're reporting Mm. that both North London clubs, Arsenal and Spurs, will fight it out for the Everton centre-half in the summer. Dave Seeger's shaking his head at me. No, I I hadn't read it, so I haven't heard that from anywhere. But I agree that I I think it's an odd one. Do you think he's good enough for Arsenal? If you'd have asked me this question this time last season, I'd have said absolutely not. Um, but within the piece, I have have mentioned the fact that he was playing with a really serious injury last season that not many people knew about, uh, that he, he basically nearly lost his foot over it. Since he's recovered from that this season, to be quite honest, I think he's been one of the best centre-offs in the Premier League um, in, in a very unsung way. I think one of the, the, the few people outside of Everton to actually acknowledge it has been Gareth Southgate, hence his return to the England squad. Whether it'd be quite good enough for a consistent Champions League team that wants to challenge for a Premier League title. He has got a mistake in him, but at the same time, brilliant in the air, strong in the tackle. And just take a look at the way he challenged Mohamed Salah in the derby and you'll see what a good defender he is. No, I think he's a good player. I guess the question would be from an Arsenal fan's perspective is we definitely need young English players or English players in our squad mm. given the, the homegrown rule and we're under threat from losing Ramsey and Welbeck. But... You know, we we suffered for a while after losing Rob Holding, and I think Arsenal fans were thinking Rob Holding might have forced his way into Southgate's plans. You know, when Stones was injured and and Gomez was injured, and maybe Keane's taken that opportunity. So I guess the direct comparison, I'll ask you. You've probably seen enough of Rob Holding by now. Mm. You know, is he better than Rob Holding? And if so, it makes sense. If not, maybe it doesn't make sense. I think he's better now, uh, but I do think that Rob Holding's got a much higher ceiling. 
Well, they, you've answered the question there. Mm. Much yeah. Very, on, very honestly as well. Yeah, let's let's, yeah. let's stick with holding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to holding. <laughs> Headline writer as well. <laughs> Chris, it's been lovely chatting to you and it's a great piece. Before we let you get going, I've got to put you on the spot. Score prediction for Everton versus Arsenal. I'm a little bit less optimistic. I've got 2-1 Arsenal. 2-1 oh. Arsenal. You're popular yeah. in the studio, Chris. It's the standard Simon Collins previously also said the same thing. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for <laughs> taking the time Thanks, for us, Chris. Chris. Chris Smith there is a Squawker journalist and Everton fan. In terms of how Arsenal should best exploit, well, per- perhaps even exploit, the potential error that we just heard Michael Keane has in him, how should Arsenal set up? Well, how they should set up, I, I don't really know, but it's how they will set up is... It's just so hard to predict an Unai. I don't think anyone's ever predicted 1-11 to 11 for an Unai Emery team. As Ramsey won't start. Whether Aubameyang is well enough to start and he'll, he'll rotate Lacazette, I just, I just don't know. Do you know well, I, I, do like, I do like when they're both playing yeah. together. Yeah, I've got a feeling he'll do formationally what he did at the weekend. Oh, sorry, on Monday night. But I've got a weird feeling he'll start with Aubameyang mm. and Lacazette will be on the bench and he'll rest Ozil. And it will be a Wobi and Mkhitaryan. That's my yeah. feeling. With 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 Ramsey, Ozil, and Lacassette all on the bench for the second half. That's mm. what I think will happen. Because he will probably. Well, I was about to Mkhitaryan say, needs to start. Yeah, he won't. Pri- he won't be prioritising Napoli next week. But it will be on his mind about keeping some of those players fresh and intense, as he likes to say, for the for the Napoli game. It's a slightly like creepy word, isn't it? Intensity. Do we know, do you know, um, Nick, uh, what's the situation with Koscielny? What was, what was the situation on Monday? Yeah, I do, but I've slightly forgotten. That it was, it was a, it's a slight injury, and the feeling is he will be fit for the weekend. So Mustafi will miss out. So Mustafi will miss out, yeah. Which is, I mean, you, you're not that bad on Mustafi. Well, I, 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 I quite like him, but I think he isn't the fir- in the first. Not good I think, enough, I think, I think Koscielny, Socrates and Monreal in this formation is the first mm. choice. And Mustafi is a very, very capable step in for any of them. Yeah, Probably, can, yeah. Well, not me on the left, but certainly centre mm. or right. He scares me, Mustafi. Yeah. And not, not in the good Socrates way. Socrates scares <laughs> me in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm now, after all this chat, feeling very confident about a, a good win at Goodison Park on Sunday. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to say 3-1. Is there anyone in that Everton team who worries you? I mean, you're saying they've got goals in them. Not not Theo. Uh, But Richarlison, perhaps, or even Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, well, no, Richarlison is a player that I think would would unsettle us if, if he's on form. Yeah, well, he's up against get... Maitland-Niles probably as well. If he'd mm. take coming in from the left, wouldn't he be up against Maitland-Niles? Yeah. Maitland-Niles is definitely in, in, in a growingly confident state, I would say, mm. yeah. as a defender. Uh, you know, as as a wing back, he's he's always looked good going forward, and I think his his final pass is is, is getting better. I thought he had a good game again, another did, yeah. good game. I think he's consistently now three or four good games in a row. So I think I think that's an interesting battle, though. Mm. You know, Richarlison, two young players, you know, both in good form. But no, I mean, they can't seem to. I mean, I know it's a Drissigay. I think it's a Drissigay and Davis in the middle. Mm. Davis looks to me like a, a homegrown player who's just going to run around and, and look busy. Mm. I don't feel a threat from him. And Drissigay is obviously a defensive player. So the creativity is there's so much reliance on um, you know Bernard on the right and Sigurdsson. They're the two players. Bernard's the one who probably you know is a player who's got a bit of talent. You What's your scoreline, Dave? Uh, three, I'll, I'll go 3-0 to Arsenal. 3-0 three nil. Three nil Arsenal from Dave. 3-1 for Nick. I'll go 3-0 as well, three. I think. And it Come should be a good week <laughs> for the Gunners. 
Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.